Before we get started on anything, I get the rare opportunity today to be on stage and being able to celebrate that today my wife and I are married for 18 years. Thank you. Um, she, no one has showed me more of what the grace of God looks like day to day. She's not here. She's leading worship at the North this morning. So she's not here, but you know, no one has showed me more of what the grace of God looks like day to day because I'm a mess and I have screwed up a lot. And she has consistently showed me what Jesus is like with forgiveness and kindness and compassion with challenge and with encouragement. And I'm so grateful for her. For some of you, you're thinking, oh, that's so sweet. You're married 18 years. I've got kids older than you, son. And to you, I would say thank you. Thank you for fighting for longevity and for leaning in to do the hard work of being married. For those of you that are just getting started in your journey of marriage, I want to tell you, it just gets better. Kendall, Austin, it just gets better every single day. And for those of you that are saying, hey, I'm believing God that I will be married. Let me encourage you to keep leaning into who God is creating you to be. Because when you do that, you will be able to be that picture of grace like Christy's been to me. And we're believing God with you that he's going to bring that into your life. Amen? Amen. All right. Hey, well, today we're continuing our series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's been a lot of fun leaning into these. And what we're doing in this series is we're leaning into what are these gifts, why are these gifts, and how do I see these come alive in my life every single day? And we want to do this because Jesus said a couple things before he ascended to heaven. Before he left, he said a couple things. First one he said in John chapter 16, verse 7, He said, very truly, I tell you, it is good for you that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He then goes on to say in Acts chapter 1, right before he leaves, he tells his followers, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we trust Jesus. We trust him that when he left, he gave us the Holy Spirit, and that was the absolute best thing for us. That was the absolute best thing we could have received because it means we now have the power of God all day, every day, so that we can be transformed into who he is and live the same way that he lived. We've been leaning into 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's our anchor passage for this scripture, for this whole series. And so I want to read it again just to settle us into it. We're going to start in verse, chap- verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 12. It says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Jump to verse 4. It says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. There is one, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. 
to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, and to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one in the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Today, we're going to talk about the gift of tongues. Yes, I speak in tongues. And yes, I've been praying since the beginning of this series that this room would receive the gift of tongues. Because I believe it's the power of God in our lives. And I believe it's going to help us encounter more of who God is. And we want all of what he has. And so we're going to unpack a ton of scripture today. Okay, We're going to see all about it. And it's going to help us have understanding on what is often a very misunderstood topic. But before we get into that, let me tell you a quick story. I'll be quick, I promise. When I first started walking with God, I was about 20 years old. I was at a worship service, and at the end of the worship service, I went up to my, my life group leader, and I just said, we just pray for me? I, I didn't ask for him to pray for anything specific. The service was over. I wasn't some, like, call to action, come repent for this or come ask for this. I was just hungry. I just really wanted God. I had spent the first 20 years of my life not going after God, and I had really just met him. And so I just wanted more of God. And so as he was praying for me, I was just simply agreeing with what he was praying. As he would pray things, I'd be like, yes, God, please do that in my life. I, you know I need that. And as I just agreed and was literally saying things like, amen, come on, Lord, do that. Simple stuff, I began to speak in tongues. The words were incoherent to me, and I didn't quite fully understand what was happening. I was 20 years old. I had very little understanding of the Bible. The church that I had grown up in was a good church, but it didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. In fact, I had never heard of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and had never even heard of the gift of tongues. So I was a little confused by what was happening. My eyes were open. The music was off. There was no one else in the room. It was just me and this guy. But the power of God came on me. And even though I was unsure in my mind about what was happening, in my spirit, as J.D. shared early, there was an outpouring of joy that took place. I may not have understood, but my spirit was coming alive inside me. And because my life group leader was a very wise man, he, he knew I didn't have a clue. And so he said, hey, why don't we get together tomorrow and we will walk through everything the Bible has to say about this so that you have understanding of what took place. Here's the point. I went to receive prayer not because I was asking for something specific. I went to receive prayer because there was a hunger in my heart for God to do more in me. And when we show up ready to receive anything that God might have for us, we're able to receive everything God has for us. And so I want to pray for us this morning that we would receive what God has for us. How we receive what God has for us. These, these verses in, in John 16 that we read, in Acts 1 that we read, they are promises from Jesus that we will receive the Holy Spirit and all that he brings. And the Bible tells us in Romans 4 that how we receive is by faith. And that faith comes through hearing the word of God. So I'm going to pray for us right now that faith is stirred up in us as we hear the word of God to receive all that he might want to do this morning. Amen? God, we pray right now that you would fill us with faith. 
fresh faith, stir our hearts. God, just as Pastor J.D. was praying earlier, God, we pray for an outpouring of joy as I talk. God, throughout the scriptures, multiple times, you came on people as people preached, and they were filled with joy. So God, we ask that that happen today. As I, as I preach, let people be filled with joy. Let the Holy Spirit come on people and let us receive all that you want to do because we want all of you. We pray in Jesus' mighty name, amen? amen. All right, so we're gonna start really simply with a question. What is a tongue? In a broad sense of the word, a tongue is simply a language. It's known or unknown. If you're traveling abroad... For example, my parents about an hour ago landed in Iceland. The native tongue of my parents is English. The native tongue of Iceland is Icelandic. They're going to a place where there's an unknown tongue, where the, their native tongue is English. That's simply what the word means. It's just a language, known or unknown to you. It's that simple. But this topic is often very confusing for us. So we're going to address attention right at the beginning. If you've been in church world, if you've been around, and you've been around churches that maybe don't talk about the Holy Spirit like I grew up in, or churches that do talk about it, you've probably heard or felt this tension. If you're new to church and you've never experienced this, let me go ahead and tell you about the tension just so you can be aware of it. And it is that some believe that tongues have ceased and they're no longer available for today. So we just want to understand why they think that and where that comes from, because that's not what we believe here. So where does that come from? It comes, we're, we're, our anchor passage is 1 Corinthians 12. That's what we're leaning into. Well, 1 Corinthians 13 says something too. Beginning in verse 1, it says, If I speak in the tongue of men or angels, but do not have love, I am a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all the faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I possess if I give all I possess to the poor, and I give my body over to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Love never fails. Where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the completeness comes, what is in part disappears. Verse 12. For now we see in a reflection as in a mirror. But then, when the completeness comes, we shall see face to face. Now, we know in part. Then, we shall know fully, even as I am fully known. All right, so what's the, pass- what's the point of the love chapter that's most often used in weddings? Paul has actually got this sandwiched right in between two main like, moments where he's talking to the church about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 12, he's unpacking them, and then he talks about the fruit of the Spirit and love, and then he talks about them again in 1 Corinthians 14. Right here, sandwiched in the middle of it. Why? Because this church he's talking to is experiencing an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and they are dynamic in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They are also incredibly dysfunctional in their ability to sin. So does Paul come to them and say, hey, stop, you cannot use the gifts anymore because you sin. Absolutely not. 
He comes to them and says, this is how you stop sinning. And this is how you are to use these gifts. This this is how you stop sinning. And this is how you are to use these gifts. The point of this chapter is to not tell us that things are, hey, things need to stop. You guys are dysfunctional. You don't know know how to stop sinning. That's not the point of what he's saying. He's saying, actually, what you need is you need to walk in the fruit of the Spirit as you use the gifts of the Spirit. You need to walk in what Jesus is like as you do what Jesus did. You need to be like him and to do what he did. Prophecy, not done in love, does not produce the encouragement and strengthening that God intended it to. Knowledge, not done in love, does not produce wisdom and revelation that God intended it to. The point is not to tell us that tongues need to cease. It's saying that tongues not used in love do not produce the desired intention of the heart of God. We need to manifest the fruit of the Spirit by leaning into being like Jesus as we walk out in the gifts of the Spirit. Yeah, there's the words in there that says, someday, prophecy, knowledge, wisdom, tongues will not be needed. When? It's not today. When the completeness comes. When Jesus returns in his full glory and the shroud of sin is removed and we're able to see him as he truly is and we are able to be known and fully known. That's not today. Right now we're seeing in a mirror. We're seeing dimly. And so you know what I need today? I need power. I need all that God has to give me so that I can push through my sin and my brokenness and my weakness and actually be like Jesus and represent him to the world around me. One day, it's going to be different, but it's not this day. And so I need him, and I need him to move in my life. All right, so let's get in to this multifaceted gift, because if you pay close attention to what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, our anchor passage that we're unpacking, it says, talking about this gift, it says, there, is, there are a variety of tongues. God distributes a variety of tongues. He doesn't say God distributes one singular tongue, so there's a variety. So we have to understand that that's probably why this gift is so confusing. Because in one line, Paul says a variety. And then you've got to go search the scriptures. See, we sometimes want things to just be spelled out super easy for us so that we don't have to do the hard work of understanding what God is like. But what we, if we're going to really understand this, we have to do the hard work of leaning into saying, all right, what does really the Bible say? And so that's what we want to unpack. That's what we want to lean into. And for the sake of simplicity in our conversation today, we're going to boil this down to, hey, there's four types of tongues we're going to talk about today that we see in the scriptures. Two of them are public. Two of them are for private. Two of them are for public. Two of them are for private. Public meaning it involves someone ministering something of the Spirit of God to another person or a group of people. And a private tongue is for me individually connecting directly with God for increased intimacy or in help in being able to intercede for his perfect will. Okay? So we're going to dive in first to the public tongues that we see in Scripture. One is tongues as a sign for unbelievers. 1 Corinthians 14, beginning in verse 21, it says, It is 
In the law it is written, with other tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people. But even then, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues then are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. This is Paul talking. This is when the use of this type of tongue is when the Holy Spirit manifests through us, transcending our own intellect and education by giving us the ability to speak a known language that we previously did not know. This is exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost. Day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 5, it says, Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard a sound, it was the sound of the Holy Spirit coming on his early church, the crowd came together in bewilderment. Because each of them had heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these people speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native tongue? And then it's going to list out about 12 different languages, some of which I can't pronounce. They respond by saying, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Peter then stood up, proclaimed the gospel in the known tongue to give clarity and tell them how to respond. And you know what happened? Thousands gave their life to Jesus that day. Thousands responded to the gospel that day. Simply put, what happened and what happens now is God moves on and through us by releasing the gift of tongues to allow us to speak a language that we have the ability not to know. You could learn it, but you don't know it. And God releases it in a moment because there's somebody there who's hungering to know him. And you don't have the ability to give them what they need. So God pours out his spirit on you so that they can get what they need. And you're in spite of what you don't have. Let me tell you a quick story on this. Uh, it was probably 20 years ago or so. Christy and I were leading an impact trip to Mexico. Neither of us spoke Spanish then or now. And we were leading this trip. And we're out on the streets. We're sharing the gospel. We have these gospel tracts that we've kind of learned how to read through. And we've got translators with us. And we've spent a whole night doing ministry, praying for people, trying to to love on people there in the city. And we're gathering up our team and we're loading back on the bus because it's time to go eat dinner. And we're pretty exhausted by this point. And we're getting ready to get on the bus and we're making a final sweep of the area just to make sure we don't leave somebody in Mexico and our team gets back safely because they were teenagers. So we're like, all right, we don't want to leave someone behind. So as we do this final sweep, this elderly lady walks up to us. She's got tears in her eyes and she's holding this track and it's just Christy and I. And I'm like, everybody's on the bus. We got to go. We don't speak Spanish. And Christy's like, just go get the translator. So I go on the bus and grab the translator. And by the time I get back, she's speaking to this woman. And I'm like, hold up. I'm married to you. I know you don't speak Spanish. And the translator's looking at me like, what's up, dude? Like, I've been translating for you guys for days and she speaks Spanish? (laughs) After a couple minutes, the lady responds, Christy prays for her. We hop back on the bus and we look at each other and we're like, what just happened? 
the, the translator begins to tell me that what your wife was doing was unpacking the gospel for this woman, and then she responded, and then she prayed for her to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we got back on the bus, and she did all of this in perfect Spanish. And I was like, wow, she still doesn't speak Spanish. <laughs> the Spirit of God saw the hunger in this lady's heart, and so he poured out his Spirit so that someone could know him. Let me tell you something. God is so intent on seeing people come to know him that he will use us in our weakness in what we absolutely do not have so that people can encounter him. And I want to be positioned in a place that says, God, I'm so surrendered. Do that through me. Do that through me. All right, let's, let's look at number two. Another type of public tongue. Remember, public tongues are, are as a person or an individual giving something of the Spirit of God to a group or to an individual. The second one we look at is tongues for interpretation. This type of tongue in public ministry, when it's given, it requires an interpretation so that everybody hearing it can actually be encouraged and edified by it. It can be spoken in a known language or an unknown language. I've been in settings where this has not happened all the time. I say I've been in settings. I'm going to share a few stories and you're like, oh my gosh, does this guy like have these events of tongues happen like every day? No, I, I mean, there's literally, I've got like seven stories, okay? And that may seem like a lot, but that's all I have. That's, I'm going to share every story that I have today, okay? So I've been in settings where someone said, hey, I feel like I've got a corporate tongue is often what we called it. And what they then speak out happens to be like a rare dialect of a known language that someone in the room happened to know. I'll share a story about that in a second. I've also been in rooms where someone shares an unknown language. Paul refers to it as a tongue of angels. We often call this heavenly languages, where God then provides an interpretation for that rooted in scripture to bring people into his glory, his awe, and his wonder. Paul actually gives some instruction for it in 1 Corinthians 14. He says, What shall we say then, brothers and sisters, when you come together, like right now, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation? Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at most three should speak at one time, and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Again, what Paul's saying is, hey, there needs to be an interpreter if the church is going to be built up in this moment. And this, can I just be really, like, blunt? If we're in corporate settings, like a life group, a prayer meeting, and we feel like God's got a, a corporate tongue for the group, it will take some faith for you to lean into it. Because you're going to have to trust that God's also going to release the interpreter. Here's a, another story on this. It involves my wife yet again. So she's at a life group. And she's new to walking with Jesus. Very little understanding of this. But she just feels in her life group that, man, God's stirring something in me. I'm not sure what he's stirring, but God, he's stirring something within me. A couple minutes later, 
her life group leader goes, hey, we're going to do something that we normally don't do in our life group, but I just feel like this is what God's doing, so we're going to go with it. And I feel like somebody here has a corporate tongue for our group. And as soon as he said that, she's like, okay, that's me. I'm just going to go for it. And so she begins to speak in tongues that she feel like God's given her. Well, come to find out after she speaks for about a minute, someone else in the room goes, you will not believe this. But I grew up in Turkey and you just spoke the dialect of the region I grew up in. What you said was a scripture that said, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord shines all around us. Quoted scripture in a rare dialect of Turkish. Now, why? Because the power of God fell in the room. The awe and wonder of who God was filled the place. And the people were amazed and perplexed, just like in Acts chapter 2, by who God was and what he does. Could God have just said, hey, read this scripture? Yeah, he could have. But sometimes God does things that blow our minds. Why? Because he wants our minds to be blown by how beautiful and majestic and powerful and bigger and more outside your head, your box, your mind than he actually is. He wants you to get caught up in his glory, his wonder, his splendor. And he wants you to sit and look at him and say, you're holy. You are bigger than me. And I need more of you in my life. Amen? Okay, we've talked about two public tongues. Now let's talk about two private tongues. Tongues for personal prayer. This is what people have often referred to as a, a prayer language. 1 Corinthians 14 says, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Pause for a moment. What Paul is simply saying right there is there's two ways to pray. I can pray with my spirit, praying in tongues, or I can pray with my mind. I can pray that my phone's over there, but I've got a prayer list on my phone. All right? I can pray my prayer list with my mind, things I've written down, things I'm believing God for, scriptures that I'm declaring, or I can pray in the spirit. I can do both. What shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I'll do both. I will sing with my spirit, and I will also sing the songs that are written on the screens for me. I will sing songs of understanding. Otherwise, when you're praising God in the Spirit, how can someone else say, who is now put in the position of an inquirer, this is where Paul's now talking about a public tongue, when someone else is in the room, he's saying, hey, you need to be careful about how you're doing this. Okay? He says, when someone else is in the room, you need to make sure that you're, you're understanding how you're using this gift that God has given you. Because they're going to come in and they're going to want to respond to what God's doing, but if they don't understand what you're saying, they won't be able to do that unless there's an interpreter. So he says, they'll come in, say amen to your thanksgiving, but they, they do not know what you're saying. You're giving thanks well enough, but no one is edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. That's Paul saying that, not me. But in the church... I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. That was a lot of scripture, and I interrupted it multiple times. But what is Paul getting at? First, Paul's, he's breaking down two different types of tongues. He's saying there's some for public ministry, and when there's other people in the room, you need to make sure that people can understand what you're saying. 
because they're not going to be built up the same way that you're being built up if there's no understanding, if there's no interpreter. But when it's just you, when you're just on your own, you can use this and you can be strengthened. You can be built up. You can be encouraged in your inner man. It can create intimacy with God. And this is one of those things that I can give you the scriptures for and help you understand it, but you won't know what I'm talking about until you experience it. Which is why I believe the gift of tongues, God wants to release it on everybody. Because he wants us to walk in intimacy with him. He wants, he does not withhold his love from any of us. And listen to what Jude says. Jude 1 says, But you, dear friends, by building yourself up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. When we pray in tongues on our own, what happens is the love of God is released into our life. We find our inner man being strengthened. We find ourselves being encouraged. We find the fruit of the Spirit coming alive within us. That's personally why I believe that as we eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, which is what we're encouraged to do, God does not withhold any of them for us. It says he distributes to each one as they have need. It's his choice. But my job is to come hungry. My job is to continually come hungry, surrendered to the Holy Spirit, saying, use me and do whatever you would want to do in me. I want all of you. God, remove every guarded place that I have. Remove every barrier that I have to what you might want to do in me. My job is to come hungry. God's job is to pour out. And I believe God doesn't withhold from us. But every good and perfect gift is from him and he pours it out on us, which is why I believe that God wants us to have this. He wants us to receive it so that we can be strengthened, so that we can be encouraged, so that our inner man can come alive in a fresh way. Amen? All right, one more. One more. Tongues for intercession. Romans 8, verses 26 and 27. says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Where does the Holy Spirit reside? In us. He comes and he fills us. This is not referencing Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. That's actually Romans 8.34. We just read Romans 8.26 and 27. Paul is clearly saying, And he's differentiating. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. And the Holy Spirit within you is interceding on your behalf according to the perfect will of God when we pray in the Spirit. Practically, there are times when we don't know what to pray. We don't know how to pray. We don't know what to do. We feel like all the things that we've tried to pray and we're just like hitting our head against a wall. There are times I grab that prayer list that I have and I'm praying for my kids and I'm looking at it going, Lord, I don't know how you're going to move in Micah's life. I'm praying these things 
but I'm not seeing them happen. And we find ourselves in a weak place. It's in that moment that I actually grab my phone. I look at my prayer list. And instead of praying the things I've got written there, I just pray in the spirit. Because what happens when I do that is the spirit is praying in accordance with the will of God for my life and for his life. So that's like my secret strategy of prayer is I don't know what to pray. So I look at my prayer list and I'm not not joking. I do this on a regular basis. I will look at my prayer list and I will just pray in tongues because I'm like, God, and as I focus on each one of them, as I focus on our church, I pray in tongues and I say, God, let the, and I know what's happening is the will of God is being prayed because that's what scripture tells me that the spirit is praying through me in accordance to the will of God. Now there's other times when you just feel so undone. We, we know those moments where you feel just, I have no idea what to do. I feel broken. I feel weak. I feel helpless in every way. So, um, yeah, the last nine months or so have been the most difficult that myself and my family have ever walked through. In my 40 years of living, nothing has ever been this hard. Find myself awake often at 2 a.m. Janie and I joke about this weekly. Find myself awake at 2 a.m. sitting in my living room, not able to sleep, overwhelmed by the, the weight of circumstances, feeling like I don't know what to do, feeling like, am I failing as a father? Am I really a good husband? God, what are you doing? In those moments, what I don't need is my prayer list. I need to remember the promises of God in Scripture for my life. But what I do in those moments is I just sit in my chair and I pray in tongues. Alone, in a dark living room, in the middle of the night, wordless groans. Because in my weakness, I don't know what to do. And the Spirit of God always comes. And He always moves. And it fills me with such confidence and hope to know that in those moments, the will of God is being proclaimed. The Spirit is proclaiming the will of God over my life, over my family, over you, that the will of God is being released. The gift of tongues for us, guys, is because we need it. And others need us. In moments, God wants to pour out his Spirit upon you so that other people can encounter his glory. There are moments where God wants to pour out his Spirit upon you so that you can encounter the intimacy that's there for you. You know, sometimes you get asked, can you be filled with the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues? Yes. Throughout Scripture, you see, especially in the book of Acts, that when the Holy Spirit was poured out on people, often what happened was people received the gift of tongues. It's not the mark of the Holy Spirit. You know what the mark of the Holy Spirit is? The fruit of the Holy Spirit actually being evidenced in your life. That's what happened every time people were filled with the Holy Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit came alive in them. 
They begin to walk out in more of what the Spirit was like and alive in them. And then gifts accompanied it. So yeah, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit and not have the gift of tongues. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit and not prophesy. You can be filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit and not have knowledge. But you know what we should do? We should eagerly desire all of them. We should ask for all of God. Every single bit of them. God, give me everything that you have. Give me everything that you have. You know, so often when I think about this for myself, I think that I want to have faith, trust, and surrender in every area of my life with God. Faith, trust, and surrender. It is possible to be saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and guarded. What that looks like is I'm saved. This picture that, I, that God continually brings me back to is I'm saved. I'm in the boat. That boat is put in the river. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm saved. I'm filled. I'm in the boat. I'm in the river. And then I drop anchor because I don't trust where the river's going to take me. That is being saved, filled, and guarded. Or I can get in the boat. I can put it in the river. And I can lift anchor and say, God, will you take me wherever it is I need to go? Whatever it is that you have for me, would you release it to me? Would you give me the fullness of what you have for me today? Will you go ahead and stand? We're going we're gonna to take time to pray and do ministry. We've got time for it. And we're ready for it. If you're one of our leaders, come be up front. We're going to pray for people this morning. Go ahead and be ready. And here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray that people get filled with the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit and that the fruit and the gifts come alive today. We're going to pray for people to receive the gift of tongues. If you want that, come and ask for prayer. Come and receive. If you are carrying shame, because you've asked for the gift of tongues and you don't have it. God wants to break off shame today. There's nothing wrong with you. He distributes each one as they have need. Come hungry and let him give you what you need. Come and receive what God wants to do this morning. Come and just let him fill you. Come and receive what he's got. God, we invite you afresh this morning. Not because you're not here, but because our hearts need to say it again. God, we come with faith, trust, and surrender to you. Would you come and move on us? Would you come and release to us what we need? Would you come and baptize us afresh in the power of God? Release the Holy Spirit to us. Release the gifts to us that we can walk in what you have for us. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come and receive prayer. Whatever you need, God wants to meet you where you're at today.